Welcome to Ghost of a Podcast. I'm your host, Jessica Lignato. I'm an astrologer, psychic medium, and animal communicator, and I'm going to give you your weekly horoscope and no bullshit mystical advice for living your very best life. Hey there, ghosties. In this episode, I'll be doing a live reading with one of my beloved listeners. Every Wednesday, listen in on an intimate conversation and get inspired as we explore perspectives on life, love, and the human condition. Along the way, we'll uncover valuable insights and practical lessons that you can apply to your own life. And don't forget to hit subscribe or at the very least mark your calendars because every Sunday I'll be back with your weekly horoscope. And that you don't want to miss. Let's get started. Sam, welcome to the podcast. I'm very excited to do this reading with you. So tell me what you would like a reading about. Yeah, so I'm just going to read the question to you. And so the question was, how can I focus my energy and time to not only break generational trauma and oppression for my children and I, but also society while also trying to raise Black children in Texas? And how can I do this without burning out or running away? That's a lot of pressure you've placed on yourself or you've taken in and taken on. Yeah. Yeah. So you were born May 9th, 1984, 940 a.m. in Chicago, Illinois. Yes. Did okay. you want me to read the the asterisk stuff where I put all that like other information? Maybe do read the asterisks and then we're going to break down your question into like bite-sized pieces. Okay. I'm a Black and Native American woman and I live in Texas. I was a health lawyer and now I'm a health equity consultant. I have an autoimmune disorder and I'm neurodivergent with CPTSD and ADHD. So I do need to manage my energy (laughs) really well. And I struggle with current events and how to address them in my work. And I also struggle with how to best do this for myself and for my children. I know I'm only one person, but I do often feel called to try to like fix all the things. But this often leads to burnout or I want to put my head in the sand and or run away. Mm, that's real. So let's actually start with, with this. You have both Neptune in the sixth house and your midheaven is at 29 degrees and 56 minutes of Pisces. So it's like four minutes away from being an Aries midheaven. So your 10th house is Aries. It's all Aries. But that midheaven is at that critical degree of Pisces. And so the desire and drive to take on everything and to heal the world and also to have good spiritual health and also to have rich personal relationships. Bada bing, bada boom. Thank you, Neptune. Thank you, Pisces, right? (laughs) That's the most accurate description of me ever. Okay. Okay, good. (laughs) Slash sorry, slash good, slash sorry. The thing I want to name with this is that Piscean and Neptunian energies are what we need for healing. And they're what we need for the internal foundations of revolution. This is a planet and a sign associated with empathy and grace and interconnection. But they're also the planet and sign associated with idealism and running away and collapsing and having no boundaries and just feeling like you're being disintegrated by the weight of the world. Yeah. Unfortunately, right? So when I read your question, I'm like, really? God, I sat with your damn question. I was like, <laughs> I, there's no answer to, to this on one level. Like on one level, what you want is everything all at once for yourself, the world, and your family. 
which good on you, right? And and I'm not going to say that's not possible, but also the dangerous side of Neptune is that it can have us being perfectionistic, like our idealism can lead to perfectionism. And that perfectionism can really stand in the way of being okay with who you are, where you are, how it is, and then from that place, coping. And you know that psychology is not my field, right? I'm not a shrink in any way, shape, or form. But CPTSD, God, I always fuck up the word. The C. That's right. I said it right. CPTSD. Yeah. It's, it's a mouthful yeah. for me. Um, yeah, yeah. No, I have a therapist and a trauma person. Like, thank you. Thing. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> yeah. uh, good. So having that one diagnosis, just separate from everything else, like the fucking world and just like everything else, that does mean that it's important that you figure out ways to create a buffer around you to support you. Ways of coping that are supportive and generous to the parts of you that hold trauma in your body. I struggle with the application of that. Like, yeah. I, I know what you're saying, but I I get lost in the house sometimes. I mean, yes, I don't think you'd have CPTSD <laughs> if you didn't struggle with it. <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, I think whether or not it's easy or accessible, I think it is a part of what really feels like this, like, massive structure inside of your question, which is, can you give yourself permission? Can you give yourself the grace to just be one person who has 24 hours in the day and not Beyonce's 24 hours in the day because she has a massive team. You have just like a regular human 24 hours in a day. And, you know, the reason why I'm starting with naming that Neptune and Pisces stuff is because these parts of you have a devotional form of love, right? If I love the world, if I love my children, if I love myself, you know, I have to devote my whole self to these things. That isn't bad or good. And that doesn't inherently need to change. But devotion without any boundaries or without any container becomes losing yourself, running away or disintegrating. Yeah. And so I just want to like, again, like kind of like there's so much to your question. and. Everything in your question is equally important as everything else. So I was, again, it's a tricky, it's a tricky, it's a tricky situation that I want to just like name, name this piece that accepting that life is so deeply imperfect and you can have clarity of vision and the greatest of intentions and still only have 24 hours in a day. And Within those 24 hours, you may have a technical problem that eats up three hours of your day because it's fucking Mercury retrograde. And it is what it is, what it is, what it is. Yeah. Boundaries are something that it has been easier in my work life to set, have been harder in my personal life. And I, I am working on those currently. Like those are kind of the big things right now that I'm, I'm trying to figure out. I'm finally kind of in a job that I feel like, you know, without being too idealistic or I finally feel like I'm doing the thing that I'm supposed to do. Like, I feel like I'm like in my sweet spot, like I'm good at it. I like it. I enjoy it. I like who I'm with, you know, everything. So that 
part is nice and I'm working with people who I think do a good job of not only respecting boundaries, but like helping you create boundaries too, mm. like around the work. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it, 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 my boundaries can kind of get very all or nothing. Either you're all the way on my team or you're just not in my life. And yep. that doesn't always work either. Sometimes that works, but other times it doesn't. Let me actually speak to that real quickly, because in your birth chart, you have Pluto opposite Mercury. That is a natal aspect that gives you such an intense mind. It gives you a penetrating and intense mind. You can be really obsessive. You can be really relentless. You can be really deep. You can be really analytic. All of the things at once. But it absolutely gives you an all or nothing kind of thinking. You're, you're with me or you're against me. Pick a lane, people. And on top of it, your Mercury's in Aries. And so you're, you're not going to necessarily be shy about that, even though you have this deeply devotional way of showing up in the world and working especially. Now, on top of it, you have a cancer rising. So, you know, you really want everyone to be on your team and you take it really fucking personally when somebody shows up and is not showing up in a way that you feel like is on your team. Like it, you get butt hurt, if I may say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's funny. Cause like, I don't need everybody to like me or whatever, but like, yeah, once you've like kind of declared yourself on my team, then yeah, there is a certain way that I think I want you to be. Yeah. You, you know. have, you have ideas of what right and wrong is. And it looks yeah. like it really like startles you and really offends you when someone acts wrong. Yes. Which, you know, I respect that. I, I I can't disagree with it, but also it can add to this level of perfectionism that you hold for yourself and for others and for the world. But it really, you're kind of the toughest on yourself. And I want to add that currently you are going through a Pluto square to your natal Mercury, and that will be over December 20th of 2023. And the second that Pluto entered, you know, into Aquarius, you started your Pluto square, which is the first transit in the series of midlife transits. When that, did that start? So it started in February of 2023 and it became exact just like a month ago or something. Mm, mm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. April 8th, a couple of days leading up to April 8th. We can get into what those things mean in a minute, but I want to I want to make sure I'm, I really attempt to answer your questions. There's like three or four parts to your questions. So will you ground me into like what what where the question marks are so I can try to answer? Yeah, yeah. So I recently became a single mom about two years ago, and I'm also newer to Texas. So I moved here right before the pandemic, so four years ago, and it was for my kid's dad's job and, you know, whatever, and we've stayed. But I think... That extra pressure of when the kids are with me, feeling like I need to maximize mm. the momming, you know, and then when they're not with me, I'm feeling like I need to maximize like I working. See. And then also the fact that we are in Texas. And so my kids have already, they're only six and nine, but they've already experienced like significant racial like discrimination incidents and stuff that like I never had to deal with particularly at their age yeah. you know like I've it's not like my life's been perfect at all obviously but these types of things and so being able to like support them in regards to so many different traumas that they're kind of like experiencing at once and then trying to also cope with the fact that 
I am in Texas and all of the things that come with that, all of the ways that that is difficult for, you know, with current events, with recent legislation, like pick an area of why yeah. it's, yeah. you know, Texas, <laughs> Texas is difficult. Yeah. You have me in Texas. Yeah. 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 And I never, I never saw myself here. It's, it's overall been good, but it has been difficult. And part of me wonders, like, should we just leave? you know, and go somewhere else. And then another part of me is like, well, that's not fair that to feel like you're kind of being forced out for like, I don't know if that's the right phrase, but like, yeah, to kind of feel like you're, yeah. you're leaving. And then that's also just like another change to put them through. And, you know, the fact that the work that I do on the one hand, it's, it's incredible, like the changes that I see, and I feel like I directly impact but then, you know, you read another news article or turn the TV on again, it's like something else really yeah. shitty happened and it's happening. I, I want to feel like I have knowledge, tools, you know, whatever that I could contribute something. And so it's this weird kind of, I feel as though I, I can do something, but I don't know what exactly. And then there is the very real part of like, you know, if I, burnout which I can do <laughs> if yeah. I burn out professionally or personally then you know the the consequences of that of being sick of being you know all those things then then how helpful am I then you know yeah. if I'm down okay. and so it's it's this weird kind of how do I help everybody and me Okay. At the same time. Okay. So, um, and if there's more, just tell me later because it'll be mm -hmm. too much for me to hold on to. Yeah, um, I know. I'm sorry. That's a lot. No, it's okay. It's okay. It's, it, but I think part of you sharing like all the details at once, it's part of how you process. These are all top tier issues. Like these are all not emergency issues, but like right underneath an emergency, they could become an emergency with like the slightest flick of the wrist. And yeah. so all of these issues are of equal importance. And part of what's fucking you up is that there's no way to organize these issues. So you're constantly being kind of like being like hit by a wave of how important each of them are instead of being able to separate them and be like, okay, just going to focus on this now. So, and, and so I, I think part of like, even the way you just des described all the issues is a reflection of how you're constantly thinking about all the issues, this, and then this, and then this, and then this, and it brings me back to this, and then this, and then this, and it's, of course, it's going to bring you out. You know, you shared your two diagnoses, which I think predispose you to burnout as well, but also your life, also the fucking world and everyone. But like all all things considered, like burnout is a serious risk for you. And if you can accept, which maybe you can, maybe you can't, but if you can accept that all of these issues have something in common, which is that there is an endless need and they will never be completely resolved you're never going to resolve America or, I don't know, the environment or racism or health inequity. I could keep going. Kids are never going to need less caring for and concern. You are never going to magically be like, I know how to have a balanced me time. Like nobody does. Like we sometimes do for a period of time, but it is very hard to have a career and balanced me time. Like, you know, again, endless, endless. So if you can kind of accept, okay, these are all issues that are never going to be completely resolved, then it might become a little easier to identify, I need to be able to sustain my efforts without burning out. And the only way to do that is marathon, not race. 
turtle, not hair. You know what I'm saying? I do. Okay. I do. Somehow before if it felt like endless or never resolvable, that felt like terrifying to me, but somehow I, but within this context, this, this makes sense. Like it does feel like a relief. Right. It's, it's like, that's not just your permission. It's your imperative to pace yourself. That devotional perfectionistic part of you is like pacing yourself is for people who don't care. I care. (laughs) So I'm going to go hard. Right. And the truth is that you can do that shit in your twenties. You can, and the consequences will come to you in your thirties where you are. And (laughs) if you try to pull that shit off in your forties, what happens to most of us is our bodies like, fuck you. Let me show you what kind of health problems I can create. And it goes on and on from there. And so the lesson here is not life is tragedy, although life is tragedy. But the lesson here is that if you can accept that it is a marathon, then you pace yourself. And some legs of the marathon, you go slower than everyone else because you realize you need to, not because of what you're capable of or what you quote unquote should do. So, okay. So I want to just acknowledge that as I say that straight out the gate, there's like the sadness, there's a grief that comes up for you. That's what I'm pulling in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So part of the reason why you don't tap into the need to pace yourself is because when you do, you feel grief and you don't want to feel grief. You want to feel impactful. And so there's all the reason in the world. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. No, no. Yeah. 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 It's coming up. And this is developing the skill of being present with your grief and breathing into your grief. So what you just did, I just watched you do this thing energetically in this short little moment. You started to feel all this grief and then you were like, clamp. I don't know how you did it, but you just clamped down on your emotion. You didn't push it down. You put it in a steel cage and you kind of got a little more control over it. Did you, does, did you feel that? Yeah. That, yeah. Mm-hmm. That is highly effective. I'm not going to tell you like, that's a bad coping mechanism. It's a fucking genius coping mechanism. It allows you to like, parent through chaos or go to work and all the things, right? But what you're dealing with here is that I don't think you meant to do that. That is your knee-jerk reaction. That's your impulse to feeling the grief. And so getting to this place where you can give yourself the grace to be in this marathon, unfortunately, will require tolerating those grief feelings, even when it's inconvenient, just more. You don't have to do it all the fucking time. I don't want you to like walk around sad all the time. Although, again, life is tragedy. So that's okay if you do a little bit. This emotion that just came up in our conversation and good on you because I'm feeling you're feeling it a little bit more in this moment again. Yeah. <laughs> I know it's, I know it's, weird, to, it's weird to be with a psychic, but here you go. Um, this is a gift. This is really important because it's the part of you that's human. It's the part of you that knows that not, you're not perfect and that you can't be perfect no matter how much you care. This is the part of you that if you're working with someone on your CPTSD, you're working with, this is like the young part of you, right? This is the part of you that needs parenting, not controlling. And what you've done is controlled it, which is highly effective. We're not knocking it. Just being able to, instead of put it in a steel cage, be able to just hold it firmly is just a radical difference. It's Mm -hmm. subtle, but radical And you don't have to do anything and you don't have to want to take care of yourself. And I think that that's really important for your like survival mechanisms because your survival mechanisms are kind of like, I can hear them kind of screaming, like, you can't tell me what to do. I'm not going to do what I want to do. I don't have to take care of myself. Like there's a part of you that feels like your survival is wrapped up in defending yourself from 
some of your own vulnerabilities. Yeah. Wow. What you were picking up on was me thinking of a particular person and what their thoughts would be on everything that you said. And so it was like, I was hearing their voice, like, no, blah, 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 blah. And then that's, yeah. And it was literally me being like, pushing them to this, pushing it like away, steel cage, all that. Like it was me being like, nope. So have you heard this term interjected perpetrator? No. Okay. So the interjected perpetrator, again, I think it's more of a psychology term, but the interjected perpetrator is exactly what you just described. It's the voice of our perpetrator, somebody who caused harm, who we know we're like, fuck you. No, but somehow we've taken on their voice inside of our heads and they get interjected in moments where healing or progress or some kind of movement occurs. This is really unfortunately very normal for those of us who, you know, survived any kind of trauma. And that interjected perpetrator serves a purpose. And that purpose is to keep you safe from harm because our perpetrators always tell us that they're keeping us safe from harm. That's kind of their whole thing. That's how they perpetuate harm. So being able to be like, when, when that comes up, to identify it as, this is like an old pattern I have for keeping myself safe, which is remembering what they would say, what they would think, basically giving their perspective weight mm. might be able to help you because you have like a lot of resources. Like you're very, very resourced is what I'm seeing. You've got a lot of tools for a living. Do you use them all the time? That's a different conversation, but you like have <laughs> them, right? And so, you know, I think the, the, the like foundational piece here is remembering that you have a right to choose them. Understanding that if you actually do find a way to take better care of yourself, you're going to feel more of your feelings, which mm-hmm. include the sadness and the grief that are just kind of like, they're just kind of somewhere in your baseline. Yeah that interjected perpetrator is going to tell you that slows you down, that makes you weak, that makes you ineffectual. And that's a voice that you'll see reiterated all over the fucking world. Like, you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. lots of people will agree with that. And there are moments where it's true. The hardest lie to recover from is a lie that has some truth to it. Yeah. So it comes down to choice because there's nothing perfect. There's nothing perfect, not for anyone, not at any time. But certainly not in these situations you've named, right? There's (laughs) just choices. There's choices and they have consequences and you can try your best. And then you have to pace yourself through making choices, through evaluating whether or not they're working out. When you're in any of your therapies, do you track emotions in your body? Yeah. That's part of the process? Not as much lately, but yeah. I would say maybe bring it back. Okay. Yeah, bring it back. If your therapist is not a psychic, then they're not going to (laughs) know when you start to feel grief. But if you're making a practice of noticing, oh, you know, we're talking about like an interaction I have with somebody on the bus and I just had this really overwhelming moment of grief, then you can kind of investigate that. Like, what did that what did that trigger? What did that push on? Mm. And it's not possible to do that if you're not in your body because that's where the grief comes up it's not in your head your head makes sense of it like like a second after but it starts in the meat suit yeah that makes sense yeah Yeah. super annoying i'm sorry um (laughs) (laughs) it's super annoying i mean wish i could do something else there's time with the kids time without the kids that means that your ex is co-parenting with you is that right theoretically theoretically yeah yeah we are both parents 
of our children and we do (laughs) share time doing that we take turns with our time so how many days a week does he have the kids we typically do one week on one week off and within that you mentioned potentially leaving texas is that actually even an option given that your ex is in texas yeah he he wants to leave he wants to brought it he brought us here but he wants to leave Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah we're gonna beep this out but will you say your full name out loud What's your mom's last name, her maiden? There it is. Okay. And where does he want to move to? Your ex? I don't know if he knows. Mm -hmm. And where would you want to live? Probably California. And for him, that's already off the table for him. Why is it off the table for him? Because of fires and drought. He's not wrong. I mean, but I was seeing you in California. Like, I'll I'll just tell you, I was seeing you in California. I was like, am I projecting because I'm in California? Um, (laughs) But I was seeing it for you as well. But He's not wrong about the fires in the drought, right? Mm -hmm. But also, I mean, where are you going to run from the climate? I mean, Texas is a terrible choice, just, you know, straight out the gate. But I'm going to say this. I'm starting with, like, the last question you named. No, it's fine. Nobody wants to be in Texas. Nobody in your family is loving being in Texas. So is it running away to leave Texas? I would not say so. Is it fleeing? Maybe a little bit. Would you stay were it not the writing on the wall kind of thing. The job that you have is amazing. So it's like, I, I, don't, I don't say, I think you need to go this moment. Well, I work remotely and travel and stuff. So oh. I could be anywhere. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's really powerful for me to hear because I do see that some of your, some of the weight you're carrying is because the place you're in, it's not a match. And it's, it is because of all the things that we already know about Texas, including a couple of the things you named, but it's not just that. This is not your place. It's not like this. I don't know. You've Have you been to a place where you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I could be here. This is the spot. I feel like the city you're in is like a great city for you, but the land is not the right spot. Does that make sense? That distinction? It does. Cause I, I like the city a lot, yeah. but it's on paper. It should be a place that I would love, but yeah. yeah. There's like an offness to it. There's an offness. And 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 I think it's there's a really strong offness for your ex, but there's an offness for your kids, especially your elder child. It's really this is like a bad place for your elder child. And if it was a bad place for your elder child and great for everyone else, I would focus on supporting that child. But it's not a yes for anyone. California (laughs) is the place for you if there was no climate crisis, you know, and, and that's a fair consideration especially since you guys have kids so i guess in terms of the move unless you have any specific questions about that i will say i think it's wise to stay open okay yeah i think think that's really helpful yeah i don't think it's running away i really don't in this nation unfortunately a lot of people like a lot of people are are fleeing now for various reasons and i don't think it's for nothing Mm -hmm. And I don't think you need to wait until your house is burning before you give yourself permission to acknowledge that this has been good, but it's not it. Will you say both of your kids' names? Yeah. My oldest is... Mm. Okay. (laughs) And and my youngest... Yeah. So... Such a gentle spirit. Such a smarty pants. What a remarkable kid. Is he really advanced in reading? 
he's he's like labeled yeah as like gifted and all those things yeah 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 he's got he's got adhd like me too yeah Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) yeah he's he he's so bright like he's so bright you're gonna have the hardest time of the three of you you and the two kids moving Mm. it's not going to destabilize them in some crazy way like i understand why you'd be concerned about moving them around a lot but they're not attached they're yeah. not attached we've even talked about like maybe even just moving their schools within like even if we didn't move just change schools to a school mm-hmm. that's closer to where i live right now mm-hmm. yeah i mean what i would do is i would encourage you definitely wait past the mercury retrograde like you know wait past the eclipse but i would say if you're gonna move states don't bother with the schools yet because that mm-hmm. that becomes mm-hmm. like a lot of moving and social adjusting. You know, I wouldn't encourage too much social adjusting unless I mean, I, I think your your eldest is just having a very bad time at school, which is a shame because he's like I feel like he's like a perfect student. Like he's he's so bright. He's so interested and he's good with adults, you know, so it's like as a teacher, it'd be great to have him in a classroom. Oh, my God. He, yeah, he's having a really, really, really like breaks my heart hard time at school if you were like okay we're gonna move this summer but Mm -hmm. if there was a way to move him if you were sure that it looked like if it looked good I would say like if you were like oh this this is the spot for him I think that's fine because it wouldn't be destabilizing for him because of it's bad for him where he is you know oh you mean like the school without Mm -hmm. even if we didn't move yet changing the school yeah he would be fine he wouldn't be destabilized because it's like yeah you want to destabilize what's going on for him at school okay the teachers aren't it the kids aren't it the curriculum isn't it like the way it's being communicated to him which is such a shame i don't know is this guy gonna like invent something we need like you're he's got a really fascinating mind like he's something special so his education it's not it is all I can say. Like, it's just not right. Does he play an instrument? No, not like officially. I mean, like he plays with stuff, but no. It might be really helpful for him. It might not. I feel like technology is such a distraction for kids. I mean, such an asset in so many ways, but it's a distraction in so many ways. I feel like it would be really helpful for him to process his emotions through playing music, something that's nonverbal, because he's so bright that like, I think he gets exhausted with having to explain himself all the time. So like, <laughs> does he say that to you? Is he like, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I've always like, well, how did you feel about that? And he's like, okay, I just like, yeah. he'll talk for a little while. And after a while, and his sister too, his sister just like will run away when I ask yeah. her about how she feels. <laughs> well, it's a great problem to have with your mom, but also he could really <laughs> use music, I think. I keep seeing like piano and flute, and I don't know if those are like instruments that are available to him or if they're things he would have an affinity for, but you know, it might be really helpful for him to emotionally process some of what he's going through. So that's something I'll just throw in the mix. Are you looking to level up your skills or expand your self-knowledge with astrology? If so, explore the classes on my website where you can gain the expertise and also perspective that you seek with various topics from manifestation to the 12th house to outer planets and love or exploring mental health with astrology. There's so many classes that I have on the shop page of my website. Just visit lovelaniato.com shop. That's lovelaniato.com shop. And learn with me today. We did touch on the move and Texas. Mm-hmm. Are there remaining questions there? We haven't touched on the you time yet, but there's like a lot of things I feel like we didn't get to, but I'm, I'm not sure. 
I don't know, you might be picking up on the many layers of difficulty that I have with their father, mm-hmm. but it's everything is really, really hard. I'm sorry. Um, he feels kind of like a big child that you have to like manage everything for him. Is Am I seeing that correctly? Yeah. Well, we were married for about 10 years and we've known each other since we were kids. Um, okay. That makes a lot more sense that you've known each other since you were kids, because it looks like you had a great relationship, like an enviable relationship for a period of time. And it was a period of time where you didn't mind taking care of him. This is one of like the top few things I've seen in relationships where people have kids in particular straight relationships where people have kids is that like taking care of your partner, like he's a child is so fine when you're somebody who wants to have children and you don't. But the second you do have human children, it becomes like a burden. And it's understandable that you would expect that he would rise to the occasion. But when a grown ass man has never risen to an occasion, it doesn't usually work out great, unfortunately. And he feels from what I'm seeing, really entitled to a lot of you and also really sad. Is he with someone else? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you're the one who ended the relationship, eh? Yeah. Mm -hmm. He wants to be with you, but he won't be alone. That's what it looks like. Yeah, definitely. I mean, obviously, I don't know if he wants to be with me, but the never being alone, I mean. Is the co-parenting a real challenge with him or is that something you're able to manage? It depends on the day. Some days are fine. Mm-hmm. And the days that are not fine are like horrific, you uh, know? <laughs> like, yeah. I'm sorry. And do you guys fight still? Yeah. Yeah. You are currently going through a transit that happens once every 29 years. So this is the second time it's happened to you and the first time as an adult. Saturn opposition to the moon. And when Saturn opposes your moon and your moon is at four degrees of Virgo, it is a massive challenge to your home life, your family life, your sense of belonging, and your emotional self-regulation. It is a crisis point, and it is meant to be dealt with. So it's not whether or not things are perfect is going to you know, influence your future. It's how you strive to cope with how you're feeling and what's happening in your home and your family life. It's the motivations for why you do or don't do do things. That's really important right now. I've never heard of anyone going through a Saturn opposition to the moon and feeling good. Sorry. Like, (laughs) it's just not a thing. It's not a thing. And this transit started on April 4th, and Mm -hmm. you'll be in it until May 10th. It'll come back July 28th through September 7th. And then the last hit will be December 30th, Happy New Year's, through January 28th of 2024. So you got three separate one-month periods. And in these one-month periods, the ways in which you deal with him are really important. What this means is you need to be acting in accordance with what you believe to be right. So that means having healthy boundaries, recognizing when you're like, I will murder you, and then taking care of yourself around those feelings instead of indulging those feelings or shoving them down right? Like finding mm-hmm. a way to actually cope because you got to deal with this dude forever. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, that's why I said that. But <laughs> no, no, kids, no, it right? is. I mean, that's, that's, yeah, that's the part that's so, so hard. It's really, um, really hard. You don't get, you don't get a break like in a regular breakup. You would. Mm-hmm. And making decisions around where to manage your home, like where to like make a home with your kids, Saturn opposite moon. And, you know, 
wherever you land is likely to be where you stay for the next 14 years or so until Saturn comes back and sits on top of your moon. So I do think it's wise to really consider like, where can I live for the next 15 years? Not forever necessarily. And you know, to, to your ex's point, unfortunately, and I live here in California, I mean, fires and floods. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, I don't know that we have 15 years here. I don't know. So that's not bananas, even though it's annoying that he says it. And actually, I think you'd be very happy in California outside of the fires and floods. Also, we should add like insane rents to the mix, but whatever. That brings mm -hmm. us to like, you have a full week to yourself every other week. And in that time, you named, you're like, I should be maximizing my time alone, right? I think for you, part of maximizing your time alone is doing nothing. Yeah. Does that does that something you ever do? Yes, I do, but not without a ton of guilt and should be yeah, yeah. around it. <laughs> so I'm going to give you weird homework. Okay. Go on this website, it's obscure, called YouTube, and look <laughs> up, you're welcome, or TikTok, whatever, and look up turtles, the behavior of turtles, because you need to be the tortoise and not the hare. And so I don't know if you've ever seen tur turtles like in nature, but they do a lot of sunbathing, like they do a lot of legging about. They don't just kind of move ploddingly which that's the point. It's not, it's not about moving slow. It's like being plotting. That's the marathon, right? It's also about in moments of rest, actually enjoying those moments of rest. This is where you're going to like actually take inspiration from actual turtles instead of just a fable written by some nerd sometime, right? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. If you're going to eat the cake, enjoy the fucking cake. You know what I mean? Like if you're going to chill out, like if you're yeah. going to just sit, give yourself permission to just really like, sit just sit because with the way that your life works with the way that your nervous system is wired very tight and buzzy and the way that your life is and the world is you need moments where you're not doing anything it's what is called a passive action right mm. and having passive action to balance out like proactive action mobilization is essential to offset burnout. What might help is like for you, I mean, it could be watching TV. It could be like, I don't know, any number of like napping. Do you nap? I don't know. There's like things people do. Try the things. And I would give you this homework. Make the decision that like X of days or X hours out of a day per week, you are going to really just like deep dive into passivity relaxing right and every time your brain is like i should i should i should you're gonna be like no i've made a month-long commitment to myself or a two-month-long commitment whatever you can tolerate where i'm really doing this and at the end of a month or two months i'm gonna look at my life and see if i was overall more productive and effective or overall less or overall the same let's get some evidence that that matches your brain right like that that can work for your brain it's what you do for a living Get evidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So if you do this and you actually do it and you find that it makes you less motivated, lazier, it means you're not getting shit done in life. Okay, great. Throw away that advice. Never do it again. But if things are the same or better, that's really important information for you to have. And then you can experiment with it for another month or two months. You don't have to make a decision based on that. Keep on experimenting until you feel satisfied with your data set. 
I've pandered to your industry and I hope I've done it well. <laughs> <laughs> you have. I was like, oh, these are, I took all the notes. Like, I can understand this. Yeah, I, this is, this is your, this is your move. This is your yeah, damn like thing. I, I know exactly what I can work with. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, good. That's that's exactly what I was hoping for. Because I think that the perfectionistic part of you is like, either relaxing is good or relaxing is bad. Doing is good or doing is bad. One thing will help me get better and one thing will stop me from getting better. Whereas we need balance, right? And again, these are all things you know out of context of yourself, right? Mm-hmm. I will say the one thing that I think you actually do need is a little bit of time in nature. So nature could be like walking through a city park. It could be hopping in a swimming pool, which are not like technically the most naturey things, or it could be actually like getting in your car and going to somewhere naturey. Do you have an animal? Yeah, we have a dog, but he goes with the kids. So okay, so where the when okay. I'm on my own, it's like it's it's a stark contrast. That's wild. <laughs> like, that's that's a that's a wild setup. Probably a really good thing is when everybody leaves on like the first day that everyone leaves. You let yourself be sad and you let yourself be still. It's the opposite of what you're doing, eh? No, actually, it's funny. I call it Depression Friday. <laughs> okay, good. I think it's great for you. I honestly think it's great for you. It's just about like giving into it. Like instead of being like, oh, I shouldn't do this. I'm a Capricorn. So I like the title Depression Fridays, but I feel like you could use a rebranding. It's too stark of a contrast. Of course, you're going to have shock in your system. So what, what would you do if your kid had shock because of too too dramatic of a change you would nurture your kid yep you would put things in place to ease the transition so you need to rebrand depression fridays into like transition fridays or something yeah yeah again i think for most adults but certainly for people with ptsd or cptsd in particular it is important to ask like what would i do for my child in this situation? What would I do for like a puppy in this situation? And if you're not doing it for yourself, then that's more than a little interesting. You know, it's good information. And you know that that's not efficient because you can force your child to just fucking change and just fucking like keep on keeping up. But you know that they're going to melt down in some part of their life at some point, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're, you're somebody's child, you know? Yeah. So it's really important that you allow yourself to feel sad every time you recognize ways that you've been kind of holding yourself back or not being kind to yourself, because it's okay to feel sad about that. And then just try to make slightly different choices. I know you can make really big different choices, and that's great if you want to pull that off. (laughs) But slightly different choices are okay, too. You know, and I think that's, it's just really important. Now, I want to just acknowledge, like, you had put in your question that your kids are dealing with racism. Are you as well in Texas? Not directly in a way that I feel very specific to me. Right. That was that was kind of my instinct. And we didn't really speak to that. Is it with both the kids or really just your elder? Mostly the older one, but both of them. You know, okay. when, when my daughter was three, she came home from preschool and said she wished she had white skin so the police oh. would know she was good, oh. you know, like stuff oh like that. God. It's, it's yeah. heartbreaking. This is not my, again, area of expertise, right? Um, sure. But I'm going to look at her first. Say her full name. What do you actually call her? All I can do, I'll just preface what I'm going to say, is like, look 
at her psychically and talk to you about ways of coping, but I feel like it's, I, I feel wrong about giving you strategies for coping with something that is wrong. Um, mm -hmm. I wish I was being like, let's, let, this is how we would fix the thing that's wrong, but that you and I are not going to do today. I wish we could, but we, we are not. And is she in a school with lots of other kids who are her same, who like look like her? No. The school that I was thinking about moving them to, there would be more kids that look like her, but right now, no. So it's hard because she's happy at her school, isn't she? Yeah, for the most part. I think so. I think she's, you know, but she's kind of, whenever her brother talks about leaving the school, she's like, yeah, that'd be cool. Because when I look at her, it doesn't seem like the most active problem right now. Mm -hmm. You know, like, so if she's cool with leaving, that's great. But what I see for her is the solution in the big picture of her education is making sure that she's not in predominantly white places, if possible. And it is for her at this stage about whiteness. It's not about other races. And I don't know if that's the exact same thing for her brother. So this isn't as pressing of an issue in this moment for her. So, you know, I'm looking at her psychically and that's just like, it's not like deep in her aura. It's just a part of her awareness because of course it is. Yeah. Now with your son, say his name as well. Maybe call him. This fucking kid is something special. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's in a fucking terrible situation. There is racial diversity where he's going to school, but there's not a lot of people who look like him. Is that correct? Yeah, there's some different. I mean, it's more diverse than when he first started going there, but it's still small and certainly not anybody that looks like him. Yeah. Right. For him, he needs more kids that look like him. Although, honestly, he's struggling with not belonging, period. <laughs> he's yeah. like a, a delicate, smart, sensitive kid. Like, I... Have you considered putting him in a, ahead of grade? Like, is he that kind of smart? <laughs> well, what's funny is actually, so he's born in August and he was born a little early. So we redshirted him. So we gave him an extra year. He has a lot of big feelings and things like that. So we thought it would help him if he was like the older one in the yeah. class versus the youngest one. But, you know, we made that decision five years ago. Before so. you knew, before you knew his mind. I mean, he's so smart. And I think the combination of the social conditions and the academic conditions is rough on him. If he was more engaged academically and if the teachers were able to really like get into, you know, his education with him more, then the social conditions would be less pressing for him. But right now it's because academically he's not really engaged. The social stuff is 110% of what's happening for him. And the social stuff is like 90% shit. Um, yeah. And so getting him into a new school, I think, is a good priority. I mean, you have like a, we're in almost May, right? So you have a month yeah, more yeah. to this school. So it's just about like next year, getting him into another school. And oh God, I have done so many readings in my career about finding the right school for a kid. Like it's, you'd be <laughs> stunned when I was doing readings full time, how many people would come to me asking, asking this question because the options are all terrible yeah. or... They're not terrible if you have a bazillion dollars to spend, but they're so expensive that it has to be perfect to justify spending that kind of money. You know, I, I'm looking at this and I'm remembering it because I'm like, I mean, I'm distracted by how smart he is. I'm distracted by it because he's not like academically smart. Like maybe he is whatever, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying like there is a brightness to him that is I don't see often. Right. 
And because I'm looking at it psychically, it's just very tight. It's like it's it's enthralling to get to see. He his mind is so special, and he's such a creative mind that you know I don't know if it's like engineering, if it's if it's writing, if it's music. Those are the things that I'm seeing, mm-hmm. like that he has like a brilliance in like putting things together. So whatever you can do to support and promote that after school stuff at home will help him because they'll be emotionally soothing. They'll be like tools for self-soothing and it makes the social stuff worse. It makes the racism worse. It's not just racism though. It's also, he's not clicking with the kids. Yeah. He would do better with girls than boys. Does he have female friends more than boyfriends or does he have boyfriends more? He has a couple boyfriends, but I do think it's probably skews more to girls. Yeah. To girls. Yeah. I mean, he's right before the age where that like stops being cool at all, Mm -hmm. but like, he wants to talk. He doesn't want to just like play, you know, he's, he's so girls are going to be easier on him that way. Yeah. He's very, very like wants to talk like what, what he just saw on TV or in a movie or whatever. He wants yeah. to like process, like process it, break process it down. It. Let's break yeah. it down. <laughs> and he's really aware that he's not clicking socially with any group of kids. He's too aware. Like his, his cognition is, advanced so he's very aware of it but he doesn't have the emotional intelligence to be able to process what am I doing wrong here and he's like a very young nine-year-old in some ways but then cognitively he's like very very old you know he's very advanced and it's a difficult place to be and in terms of the racism stuff he's he's taking it very personally this is like a thing he doesn't have yet. The ability to see groups and, and to understand systems with people. He understands systems really well in certain ways, which again is why I think like engineering and music is kind of like a draw because there's like a way to see details and systems at the same time. But with people, he doesn't have that ability. And it's kind of being thrust upon him to need to understand that stuff right now because the way he's a boy his race, the way he plays, all of these different things that are being questioned by his peers in overt ways and not overt ways. And he's aware of it, but doesn't understand it. When I look at him energetically, it looks like in his Texas school, he might be perceived as less masculine than some of the other boys. Mm. by oh, the boys yeah okay by the boys. i can see that i can yeah. see that yeah he definitely he, he does he cries he does yeah like yeah. that type of stuff yeah also he prefers girls because they talk through things instead of like physical play is not the only thing he likes to do he likes physical play but it's mm-hmm. not he hasn't hit that like boy thing you know what i mean that a lot not all but some boys you know a lot of boys go through mm-hmm. a lot of go- boys have pressure to be like this he doesn't mm-hmm. have it and again it's like one of the ways that I don't know how consciously it is from the other boys, but they're they're clocking him as different. So there's like all these things happening at once. Also, he's smart, which also clocks him as different. Like I, I definitely think he's one of the smartest kids in his class. Like there's he's so bright. Anyways, sorry, I know I'm saying it. No, much, no, no. It's... You're right. You're right. I mean, and and everything you said, the the adults, all of it, and there are things that I've kind of suspected just from comments he's made, but this just kind of confirms a lot of things that I was thinking, but didn't even necessarily know how to name myself. Yeah. He's smart and he's kind and he's got a strong body and a healthy body and he's empathetic and he's curious and he's stuck. 
You know, he's really, he, he's, he's stuck by all these things around him. And I know Whatever. he feels compelled to get involved with like stuff with like his dad and I, even though we try very hard to not, you know, include them, you know, like we, we try so hard to have that boundary around, but he yeah. still will either, like you said, he clocks certain things that we try not to, or, you know, if something it, just happened, he, he, he wants to be like, yeah. Yeah. So, so here's some my advice about that. It concerns him. And in school and everywhere else in life where things concern him, everyone says, doesn't concern you. This is about something bigger than you. And he doesn't understand it. But at home, he does understand it. It does concern him. And he's smart enough to clock it. So I would advise you to be like, you know what? You're really right about this. And I'm going to ask you how you feel about it. And I'm going to tell you that, like, I want to keep this between me and dad, not because it doesn't concern you, but because... When I'm clear about what I want to say, I'll tell you. Like, or when I have an answer, I'll share it. I think you need to treat him a little bit like a bigger kid on this. Okay. That makes whatever, sense. Yeah. It's like, you know, whatever the hell this means. Like, I keep on wanting to say to you, he has the, like, the cognitive intelligence of a 14-year-old, not a 9-year-old, you know? And what you might say to a 14-year-old is really different. He's so smart and he doesn't want to feel locked out of things just because he doesn't fully understand them or just because he's a kid or just because he's different. So I think you could adjust a little bit. I mean, you don't want to put shit on him, obviously, right, but right, also right. validating that he's like, you're right. Me and your dad are having a fight right now. And I don't want you to be bothered by it. And I want you to have a great time with your dad and you don't need to take care of me. And also you're great at noticing what's going on with people. Giving him that will will help him. And it's also going to be easier for you than what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, yeah. it's, it's like a win all around, you know, your daughter, no, but like with your son, yes. And validating where he picks up on social cues is a good thing for you to be doing with him okay. in general, because of how he's developing, not because there's something wrong with him. There's not just because how yeah. he develops, but also his school situation is a shit bag. And he's not getting any validation for his social development. And so where you can, how you can, that's a good idea. And if you end up staying in Texas, which, uh, but if you end up staying in Texas, are there schools that you're aware of? Like, do you know the names of the schools that are near to you that you would consider sending him to? So, yeah, the school that I, right now, that I would say would be. And I think there's a private school nearby that I'm not sure if that's something really reasonable right now, but I don't yeah. know if it's reasonable either, but that, that looks like the better academic environment. And it does look like they make an effort towards racial diversity. Mm -hmm. I think so. I mean, if money was a non-issue, that would be your best bet academically. Mm -hmm. and, and I think socially for him and then mm -hmm. looks better. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's how I, yeah, yeah I'm not excited about it, but I'm like, no. I think it's, I think it's better. I mean, I think <laughs> This is an important summer for you to really look at the world, look at the country and see what seems viable. You have to decide with your ex, correct? Yeah, 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 we can. Are there any states that he's named he wants to live in? I think he said like Denver, Colorado, maybe. I think we both like D.C. I just don't think that we can afford it. And Santa Monica. But he doesn't yeah. want to be there. No, but I, I mean, I, I guess he would. It's just, you know, it's also very expensive. It's uh, wildly expensive. It's wildly yeah. expensive. I, I lived in Santa Monica for a year, like a decade ago, and I loved it. But yeah. yeah. I mean, unfortunately, it's like a place where the land speaks to you. DC looks like a no. It looks like you're going to have 
problems there. Like it's not going to be like a place where you flow. Colorado, for a man who's concerned about floods and fires, why Colorado? I mean, the basin is dried up and there's fires. Colorado would be better for your kids. I don't know that you would love it. Mm. But it would definitely be better for your kids and in particular your elder child. Not because it's such a racially diverse place because obviously it's not, but because I think he would get the academic attention. Like you would get it, you would have an easier time like getting him into the right kind of environment school-wise where he would meet like his own little group of kids and like he would be able to like create something for himself. I honestly think your daughter's going to be kind of fine wherever you place her. Yeah. She's she's one of those kids. Like I just feel like she knows how to work a room. <laughs> <laughs> she does. Yeah, she does. she's a she does. she's a she's a I don't want to say bulldozer like a firecracker like like yeah. all those yeah. kinds of words. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's she's. I feel like she. Yes, she's all those things. I do think it would be valuable to consider. This would not be a hundred percent easy, but is viable. So this is like I think the last piece of advice I can give you. Like, can you like share a document with your ex-husband and like the two of you like communicate in writing? I try really hard to make sure all of our communications are just writing. Okay. So what I would encourage you doing being like, okay, let's have like a Google Doc where we have a map of the U.S. And then let's each of us black out all the states that are not an option. Gray out states that you're like, no, I'm not saying never or like 100% no, but like it's a no. And then have a document in that document where you're like, okay, so Colorado, here are all the pros, here are all the cons, you know, here's cost of living. So you can start kind of getting, having an organized, not emotional, I mean, it'll be emotional for both of you, but you won't be having to share your emotions, non-emotional way of, of like processing out and planning out the pros and cons of what states are viable for the two of you, because that will expedite this process. It'll also organize the process. And does that seem like something you could do? Yeah, I like I like a Google Doc. It's like something he can do at work and you could do at work. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like a thing that you could both be working on whenever you get a hair up your ass or whatever. Or if you, one of you sees something about, you know, a news article about Colorado and the basin and you're like, you know, Come on. Are we really, is that, is that not, is it basically Santa Monica, but like further, <laughs> like, you know, you can like pop that little article in the thing and just be like, I want us to be aware of that before we make a decision towards Denver or whatever. Mm -hmm. You know, there are pros and cons, no matter what you do is going to be a compromise because America, but I do think pointing towards a move will work. Having a map also in front of you, if you're like, okay, I don't want to be there, but on the border of there, I could be then there could be a, an agreement the two of you make around that, you know? So it'll just, again, keeping it visual, I think will help it for both of your brains, actually. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And you can also, you know, have the document out. And if either of your kids see it, be like, this is America. You know, you turn it into a learning thing. Like it just, it's going to be easier on your whole brain to in, to bring the family into the mix. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, there's so much of this country that's just an automatic no. So it's not going to be too overwhelming, I don't think. <laughs> but am i wrong no you're not right no. <laughs> i mean realistically right it's also why i thought you would be a good person yeah help yeah. me figure this out <laughs> i'm glad thank you very much and also you're obviously right. yes yes it's there's just gonna be a few states to work with and i think that's gonna be a lot you know a lot of options so have we addressed all of your questions yeah yeah this was this was incredible thank you i i mean i'm sure you do know 
how incredible it was because you know so many other things so thank you it is my pleasure and i really i wish you and your kids all the best everything maybe not all at once but everything every year they say the end is near